Amen. Proverbs chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 3. We just have today and next week still left in this series. And then after that, beginning in March, we begin in Luke 19, looking towards the cross and the resurrection of Jesus as Easter approaches at the end of March. Um, But Proverbs chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, it was May 1954. Roger Bannister of England had just broken a world record. He had completed the mile in three minutes and 59 seconds, finally breaking that four-minute mark. But amazingly, only weeks later, a guy by the name of John Landy of Australia beat Bannister's time. Landy ran the mile in three minutes and 58 seconds. These two men that you can see here on the screen were the two greatest runners in the world in 1954. Roger Bannister of England, John Landy of Australia. And on August 7th of that year, they would finally get the opportunity to race one another during the British Empire and Commonwealth Games in Vancouver. The event was being talked about as the Mile of the Century. It would later be called the Miracle Mile for what happened during the race. But 35,000 fans, 35,000 gathered in person, anticipating, wanting, and expecting history. The race gets going, it continues, and towards the end of the race, this picture here, with only 90 yards to the finish line, John Landy of Australia was only steps ahead of Roger Bannister. So while it had been an even race back and forth, it looked as though victory belonged to Australia's John Landy. However, it was then that John Landy took his eyes off the finish line. He turned his head ever so slightly, glanced over his shoulder to check the position of his opponent. And when he did, immediately, Roger Bannister passed him on the other side and took the lead. Bannister would not look back. And John Landy would lose the race to Roger Bannister by one second. Like in a race where every second matters, in life, every second matters. Every second matters. So this morning, I want to talk about time. In a very similar way that we talked about resources and money last week, today I want to talk about time. Now remember, we're in a series entitled The Wise Steward, and our theme verse is this verse, Proverbs 3, 9, and you can see it there in your Bibles where we read that we are to honor the Lord with our possessions, or with our wealth, most translations have. Now what does that mean? We've been kind of breaking this down the last couple of weeks. For starters, wealth in this context refers to anything in our possession. Our money and resources, our time, our relationships, our possessions. We're to honor the Lord with all that we say is ours. The word honor, meanwhile, in this context, 
means to carry a weight or a load or a burden, meaning we're to put the entire load of everything we possess onto the Lord, transferring the whole weight onto Him. And why would we do that? Because what the Scripture is saying is that we must first and foremost acknowledge a foundational, timeless truth in life. That it all belongs to God already. Everything and everyone belong to the Lord. Think about everything in your possession. Think about all those in your life. Think about you yourself. All of it belong first and foremost to the Lord. Thus, everything we have was given to us by Him. It is a gift. Scripture is clear. This passage is clear. We are not owners. We are stewards. We're not owners. We are stewards. And again, as we've seen in this series, a steward is a person who, in essence, oversees another's property or financial affairs or governs it or manages it. And we are to be wise stewards. We are wise stewards. We are wise stewards when we steward what He has given us in the way He wants us to. To steward it. Truly believing that it's his to begin with. Now we are foolish stewards when we steward what he has given us in the way we want to steward it. Falsely believing it's ours to begin with. So this begs the question as we evaluate and consider our lives. Are we honoring the Lord with our wealth? As the scripture says, are we honoring the Lord with our wealth? Are we stewarding our resources, time, and relationships wisely or foolishly? Are we doing with our wealth what he's asked us to do with our wealth? Are we the wise steward or the foolish stewards? Now, in answering that question, we might ask, well, how do we know? And we saw this last week. How we know is by looking at what we do with the best part What do we do with the best part of our resources, our money? What do we do with the best part of our time, the hours in our days? What do we do with our relationships? Now again, we looked at resources and money last week. Today we'll look at time. Next week we'll wrap up by looking at relationships. What do we do with our time? especially the best hours in our day. Who do we spend it with? What do we spend it doing? Do we wisely or foolishly steward the hours, days, and years of our lives? So remember Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits or the best part of all that you produce. Or in other words, all that is produced or all that is given to you. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So consider that with time. Because every day, like a seasonal crops, like a routine paycheck, every day we are given one day. 24 hours. 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds, if we're given that day and those seconds. 
And every one of those seconds, just like every dollar in our bank account, just like every piece of fruit that a field produces, every single one of those seconds is a gift. You didn't create that second. You didn't make that second. It was given to you. The seconds that we are sitting in this room are a gift to you and to me. And every single second matters greatly. So the question is, is are we honoring him with those seconds? Now, as I said last week, we may have intellectual convictions in this room. Convictions that say, yes, My life is his, every hour is his, all the seconds are his. We may say, hey, I internally believe that it all belongs to the Lord and that it's a gift from him to us. Then if that is you and that is me, if we have those internal convictions and beliefs, then we must ask then, do our actions match what we say are our convictions? Because actions will reveal beliefs, actions will reveal true intellectual convictions. So, what do our actions say about us? As a steward of the time, as a steward of the seconds that God has entrusted to us, what do our actions say about us? Now, before we answer that, we need to think about some things for a moment. By going a little bigger than one day. Given one year, when God gives us a year, that is 365 days. That's 8,760 hours. Now we'll stop there, but for those of you doing your math, this is what I came up with. That's 525,600 minutes in one year. That's 31,536,000 seconds in a given year. But in that one year, if you sleep seven hours a night, some of you sleep a little less, some of you sleep a little or a lot more, I don't know. But according to many sources, we should be sleeping somewhere around seven to eight hours. So let's just say on average, seven hours. You sleep seven hours a night for a year. That would be 2,555 hours spent sleeping. Meaning in one year, you will sleep 106 days. Now, let's throw one more thing in there, just one more thing. According to multiple sources, the average person right now, generally speaking, right now, is spending about 4.2 hours a day on digital entertainment. Not on digital devices, just on digital entertainment alone. That's your go-to for TV and movies, your Netflixes of the world, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, 4.2 hours a day on digital entertainment. Now, we could look more at this category. There's a lot more here. For example, in 2016... Eight years ago, a lifetime ago, Business Insider, pulling from some research, revealed that the typical cell phone user engages his or her phone 2,617 times every day. 
That's us checking our phones on average every 33 seconds. Some of you have already checked it every 33 seconds since I've started. (laughs) Additionally, for the extreme cell phone users, they engage their phones more than 5,400 times daily. As in, they check their phones about every 16 seconds. Now, those stats came out before platforms like TikTok. I can tell you they've already gotten worse. Some of you already checked it about every, every eight seconds since I got started. So we could draw a lot more into this, but let's just look at digital entertainment itself. The average person right now is spending 4.2 hours a day on digital entertainment, TV, movies, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. That 4.2 hours a day equals 1,533 hours in a year, meaning in one year you will spend 64 days on digital entertainment. So just taking those two things together, that's 170 days of your year sleeping or watching something on digital entertainment, or with digital entertainment. Which is nearly half the year. Now, let's see how this plays out on a bigger scale. I'm assuming, based off our church analytics, based off demographics and so on, that the median age in this room is around 45 years old. I would ask you to raise your hands, but I don't want anybody lying in here today. Let's just assume it's 45. Well, I have some news for you, if you didn't know this. The average age, this is the average, some of you are past this, but the average age of death for a female in the U.S. right now is 80 years old. The average age of death for a male, sorry guys, in the U.S. right now is 73. So, let's just assume then, for our example, that we have an average person who's 45 And if that person is a 45-year-old female, she has 35 years left if she dies at the average age. If you take away sleep hours, which come out to around 10.2 years over that 35 years, then she has 25 awake living years left. If you take away the digital entertainment hours, which come out to another 6.15 years, she has... 19 awake living years left, not on a device for entertainment. Now, if the person is a 45-year-old male, he has 28 years left if he dies at the average age. If you take away sleep hours, which come out to around 8.1 years over that 28 years, he has about 20 awake living years left. Take away the digital entertainment hours, which come out to about five years over that time, then he has 15 awake living years left, not on a device for entertainment. You say, what's your point? To scare us? No, this is not to be morbid or weird on a Sunday morning. It's simply a reminder that every second matters. And that time is fleeting fast. It's as, it's as the uh, 102-year-old says in Kenny Chesney's country song, don't blink. Just like that, you're six years old, the age of our middle 
child and you take a nap and you wake up and you're 25 and your high school sweetheart becomes your wife, don't blink. You just might miss your babies growing, turning into moms and dads. Next thing you know, your better half of 50 years is there in bed and you're praying God takes you instead. Trust me, friends. A hundred years goes faster than you think. So don't blink. Meaning every second matters. And time, it is fleeting fast. And outside of country songs, the Lord wants us to know this. Psalms 90.10 says, The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength. We might say, or even by chance, 80. They are soon gone, and we fly away. As James says in James 4, he says, What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for just a little time, and then vanishes. Therefore, the scriptures remind us, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we might have a heart of wisdom. In other words, so that we might be wise stewards with our time. Meaning, because time is fleeting, because we are here today, gone tomorrow, because every second matters, and because our time is a gift, just like that dollar, just like that piece of fruit, a gift from God meant to be used how God would have us use it, because of all this, we should be crazy proactive, crazy precise in the planning of our days, more so than we are even with our money. Because time, in a way, is more precious than a dollar or a piece of fruit in the sense that you can impact and multiply the quality and the effectiveness of our days given to us, but you cannot multiply them, and you cannot get those days back. And this is true of everyone. Unlike money, we are all on the same playing field. Time is the great equalizer. As they say, death is the great equalizer. The Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musk of the world, when it comes to time, are no different than you and I. And true wisdom comes when we allow the Lord to teach us to number our days, meaning to honor Him with our time. This is why Paul would say this. He said, listen, you need to look carefully how you walk, how you live, what you say, what you do. Not as unwise, but as wise. Why? Because you need to make the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. It's literally a word that means sick, they're ill, they're decaying, they are dying. Therefore, don't be foolish. Here's this folly and wisdom. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and that is to honor him with our wealth. Wisdom is acknowledging and accepting the reality, the fact that every second matters, that time is fleeting and fleeting fast, and that the time in our possession is a gift from God. In the same way money is, in the same way produce is, which is why we must honor him with our time. We must be all the more diligent 
about being proactive and precise in the planning of our time. Because it's his time. Again, we're not owners. We are stewards. And this might even be the last day he gives us. I still remember I had a friend in high school, senior year. And I remember the last time I saw him, I said, hey, you're looking pretty good. His name was Travis, 18 years old. Travis went to bed one night with a brain tumor that nobody knew he had and never woke up again. Time is not yours. It's a gift. And this may very well be the last day you have which is why we must be all the more diligent about being proactive and precise in the planning of our time. Now, this is not a let's jam-pack our schedule with busyness for busyness' sake. It's not about filling our seconds with aimless, fruitless busyness. As Socrates says, beware the barrenness of just a busy life. This is not a let's just jam-pack it with aimless, fruitless busyness. There will be some times where the Lord literally calls you to sit on a mountain for 40 days just in his presence, so to speak. Nor is this a, hey, life is short, so let's eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. No, this is a life is precious. Life is short. Days are numbered. Every second is a gift given by by God. So how are we spending those seconds? How are we to spend those seconds. Honoring the Lord with our time is us stepping back with hands open, just like we do with money, just as we do with crops, and say, Lord, what would you have me do with the time that you've given me? And the disposition begins by you and I bringing him the best of this precious gift known as time. It's us bringing the first fruits of all that is produced, of all that is given to us, the first fruits of our time and saying, Lord, it's yours and the rest of it is yours. So in other words, what are you and I doing when we first awake in the morning? Who do we speak to? What are our habits? What or who do we turn to? Who or what gets our best time? And we might say to all of this, okay, I, you don't know my schedule. You don't know the demands, the needs, the chaos, the desires. I don't have the time. That's probably the, the most used phrase that we use in our culture. I don't have time or, man, I'm busy. Again, I said this last week, the entire context of Proverbs 3.9, the verses surrounding it, are like the answers to our objections to bringing the best part of our resources and our time to the Lord. We might say, I can't afford to give up that time to sit in prayer, or to sit in scripture, or to sit and just be still and sit with the Lord. There's not enough time. God says, trust Trust me. Trust me with that situation. Trust me with that relationship. Trust me with that need. 
Yeah, but I need to see that post. I need to watch that video. I need to eat on my binge scroll. It's been like two hours since I last ate. Man, I just want to sleep. Don't you understand? I need my sleep. Don't despise discipline. Meaning quit acting like children in an arcade. Quit acting like me when I was in college on summer break. Sure. Be transformed, Paul would say, by the renewing of your mind. In other words, be different than the culture. Yeah, but this is how I ought to, or this is how I should. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Okay, but what if I just acknowledge him with some of my time? No, in all your ways, acknowledge him with every second. Acknowledge the Lord. And if you do all this, if your actions match your convictions, if your mindset is it's all his, if your devotion is it's Jesus first, if your behavior is you honor him with your wealth, he will make your paths straight. Not easy, it's going to be difficult, but he'll make your paths straight through the wilderness. He'll provide, he'll bless, he'll multiply. He will give you wisdom to know his will for your life. And I think our greatest example of this is Jesus himself. I'll give you an example. Mark 1.35. I love Mark 1.35. Jesus has the weight of the world on his shoulder. More burden, more demands, more pressing needs to attend to than any of us could ever comprehend or personally experience. And what does he do? Mark tells us, before daybreak, early on, it was still dark out, Jesus got up, and we know how painful that is when it's still a foggy grayness outside, getting up, and he went out to an isolated place to pray. To sit with his Father in the best seconds of the day given to him. He honored the Father with his first fruits, with his best time. To say, Father, this time is yours, it's all yours. Despite everything pulling him, despite all the demands, he just sat, he was still, he set his heart and his mind and his life on the Father and his will. That's wisdom. And what it led to was, Sometime later, probably a couple hours later, Peter and this group of people, some other disciples and some companions, they went looking for Jesus. They find Jesus. How dare he have the audacity to be sitting out there in the wilderness with the Father? They exclaim to him. They, they proclaim. They yell at him. Everyone's looking for you. How do you have time to be out here? How do you have time to, to, to ignore all these demands and these needs? And Jesus replies, Let's go somewhere else. It led Jesus to be disciplined and discerning. It led him to have the disposition to say no to that over there, to say yes to this over here. Jesus honoring the Father with the best time led him to do the Father's will, not the world's will or his flesh's will. And this continues on throughout his life and his ministry. Because it ultimately led to Jesus, hours from his death, hours removed from his death, 
where he says, listen, this is John 17, 4. He says, I have glorified you on earth. He's talking and praying to the Father. Having accomplished, finished the work that you gave me to do. Can we say that statement when it's all said and done, when lying in our bed even tonight, can we say, I completed the work you gave me to do today? When we are hours removed from our own death, will that be our statement? Father, I glorified you. I honored you with my wealth, with all that I possess, even my time. And in that time, I completed the work that you gave me to do. Every second matters. We're not owners. We're stewards. So the question is, are we honoring the Lord with our time? Let us learn from Jesus, who was a wise steward with the time given to him. And we are wise stewards when we steward what he has given us in the way he wants us to steward it, truly believing it's his to begin with. We are foolish stewards when we steward what he has given us in the way we want to steward it, falsely believing it's ours to begin with. So are we stewarding our time wisely or foolishly? With heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite the team forward as we enter this time of response. And as we approach the Lord together collectively, some of us just need to allow the Lord to lay out the the days, the hours, the minutes, the seconds of our lives. And we need to ask the Lord, Lord, show me where I am not stewarding the time you've given me the way you want me to steward it. What do I need to let go of? What do I need to turn from? What needs to change with my mindset? What needs to change with my devotion? What needs to change with my behavior? that I can truly at the end of my days and at the end of my life say I have glorified you and have accomplished the work that you have given me to do. Expose the seconds of my days in which I am not honoring you. And help me in those moments, in those spaces and places, in that time to honor you. And it's also a time to collectively just say thank you for life. Thank you for today. The new day that you've given, the new opportunity. How am I to take advantage to bring honor to you to do the work that you've given me to do? Father, we continue to come to you 
We do thank you for life. But Father, may we recognize that our lives are short. They seem like they'll never end. But then we blink and we're gone. Father, help us to recognize that every second matters. That yes, time is fleeting, and yes, it's fleeting fast, but help us to recognize and acknowledge that you've given us time. And you have set before us a a race, so to speak. Help us to set our eyes on Jesus. Help us to run with endurance, that race set before us. Help us to be like Paul. Help us to be like Jesus at the end of that race to say, we have run the race. We've accomplished the work that you've given us to do. Help us to utilize our time wisely. Help us to honor you with the best time. Help us to steward the time that you've given us the way you want us to steward it. To your glory and praise. And Father, there's some of us in this room, we need to let go of something, we need to turn from something, we need to surrender something, we need to change our mindset to recognize that it's all yours. We need to change our devotion and put you first. We need to change our behaviors and start start doing what you would have us do. So Father, help us to honor you in all of that. Help us to do what we need to do Fill us with your spirit. Help us to be obedient. Father, there's some of us in this room, we've been holding on to our lives. And you're calling us to surrender that life, to deny self, to pick up cross, to come follow you. For that person in this room, Father, let today be the day of their salvation. For you are not guaranteed tomorrow. This could be it. Help them to surrender. Father, No matter what you're doing in our hearts and minds right now, help us to be obedient to that and to give you glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen. I'm gonna have you stand with us. We'll be down here. If you need to come talk to us, you got a decision to make. You need to come pray. You need to come talk to us. Weston and myself are down here during this time.